Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. God is our greatest destiny relationship. We must learn from him to love, live, and let truth be our compass. God prefers honesty. He longs for honest conversations rather than fluff talk with no substance. So how about we have some of that today on this episode of Tent Talk. Take a listen, share with others, give us a five-star rating and a fantastic review, and it will help others to be able to find Tent Talk and help us to get the message out. So here we go, my friends. Enjoy today's episode. All right, here we are for Destiny Relationships 3.0 in our fresh conversations. I am back home. Hallelujah. (laughs) I am in my office and in my regular workflow here from the NMM Ministry House in Sealy, Texas, and I am so glad about that. Praying over all of that which was deposited in this last month, everything that it's producing and the doors that are beginning to open in other nations by the relational connections that have happened. So all of that we are praying over. Join us in that. But now I'm going into uh, just what we do, right? So you get home, you re-enter, and I find that the best way to re-enter is just keep walking uh, and just get in your regular flow as quickly as possible Uh, and rest at the same time. So today I am recording this podcast. I am having lots of conversations on schedules. I am back with my USA, uh, the Producers Way School uh, tonight with the team members and the students on Zoom and in one-on-one mentoring sessions and all of that today. And You know, that is good. There is a grace for your real life. And I assure you that when it comes the weekend, I assure you there'll be lots of rest and a totally different pace. So you learn how to live your life, right? And that's a part of what we're talking about here is our destiny relationships. And, of course, the greatest one is with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, Holy Spirit. It is um, they who have... A birthed relationship. They're in relationship with each other. They have chosen to be in relationship with us. And then they, of course, lead us into what it's like to really properly relate um, as we were always meant to. And uh, so it snaps and breaks the old trauma bonds of creature worship in our life and learning and relearning and unlearning becomes (laughs) a daily part of your flow. But I wanted today to just, uh, I could talk a long time about this, and so I want to be careful. I don't want to be irresponsible um, in just speaking quickly about things that really, they, it it takes time to even know that this is possible, right? To even hear of this whole way of learning to live and relate from God himself, You know, as we said in the previous episode, to realize how, you know, God himself walks in relationship. 
and to really let him educate us on that without going into a lot of psychobabble or self-analysis or, you know, all of these soulish things. We must know straight from the Spirit, from him, how we were meant to live with him, with ourselves, and with others. So when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. So you are number two. As you learn to love yourself out of the love God has for you, then you learn how to love, truly love your neighbor, whether that's your spouse, your child, your friends, other people in your work, your colleagues, other uh, people in ministry, business, however that is, with a stranger on the street. Because there isn't a formula, but there is a style of life. There is truth, the person of truth, Jesus himself, that is the foundation of how we are called to live as sons, right? So there is no formula. If you're looking for a formula that applies in every single situation, right, then you are bypassing once again the abiding mandate, which is to be in oneness with him, learn from him, let his life flow through you so that it becomes a relational work, a fellowship work, if you will. We're learning how to live, right? Not be robotic, not have um, a one-time formula that never requires us to have to ask the Father, hey, (laughs) what are you doing in this situation, right? And so this is why I, I, I can't go too much further without saying the three core prongs of of my school and how we live and and what we're attempting to promote, right, is number one, you have to always be entering in for yourself. You are learning to live, you, with him, with others. Number two, then that causes you then to be so much freer because you are not enslaved to yourself and to others any longer. Now you're free to identify with the Father, and what he is doing in people's lives. See, if your core needs are being met in him, your whole way of relating with people, my friends, to say it will change is an understatement. It's because I don't have to manage everybody else to to be at peace and have safety. I don't have to please everybody to get love and acceptance. I'm telling you, this is a catastrophic, cataclysmic shift in the way that we live from inside So that frees us to identify with the Father. And I will say in what he's doing in other people and in nations, right? Whatever, large or small, however you may look at that. And then third, then we become skilled craftsmen, meaning that we can literally be uh, in his hands like Jesus was so that what he desires with people can actually begin not to just be preached or just be taught, but be lived out. And in our dealings with other people, we don't get to do with other people just anything we want. And they don't get to do just anything they want with us. We don't own people, right? And in the kingdom of God, it's not, I'm not looking for what people owe me. I owe people a debt of love. I can't pay God back. It's not what I owe God, right? That's not how the kingdom works. I'm living out the new life the way God always desired for it to be. So I've chosen today just to speak a little bit. I gave all that as the uh, precursor, but just to speak just a little bit on the issue of one of, I think, one of the things that can put a cork in all of this, that can really 
um, be a blockage to this is guilt. You know, because when we have internalized guilt inside of us, and this makes us feel badly about what we've done in the past, it it causes us to realize, wait just a minute, why am I carrying true guilt for true sin? Okay, we're not talking about false guilt for things you were never responsible for, right? God has to bring truth to you about that so that you can give back to others what they were responsible for. And then trust me, you're going to hear the beep, beep of the truck backing up to you once you squeeze out all the false guilt and false responsibility out of your sponge, then trust me, then you'll be able to um, absorb or, if you will, be able to acknowledge and recognize that which you are responsible for, that which you have true guilt for, um, of true sin. And then you can truly receive the true uh, blood-bought forgiveness, the true blood of Jesus, that pays for that, right? So that you don't continue to carry guilt um, that was once truly yours, right? We don't want to act like we should never feel guilty and we do everything to avoid being guilty or the way we deal with it is the minute someone mentions ours, we, we must deflect and mention, you know, their 10 points of guilt of what they're responsible for. So this is where real destiny relationships, it begins to take hold in a very deep way that can't just be taught in a class and surely can't just be caught in a podcast, but we at least need to use this public pulpit of this podcast to be able to at least herald like a town crier and say, hear ye, hear ye, right? That at least know that this is Um, possible that this is a necessary part of truly maturing uh, in Christ. Because if you are continuously internalizing guilt and not truly internalizing the the blood-cleansed conscience that that God wants us to live in, um, then we can be manipulated, you see, um, because we've not let Jesus truly deal with our guilt And this could be for others that you are massaging the guilt in others and it's getting you something that you want. It's causing you to be able to stay in control because they did these things to you and you will just continuously hold this over their head. Of course, you're going to live a very miserable existence, but you're probably going to be blinded and not be able to see it, right? Because sin, my friends, is a progressive force. And when we mock God and think we can continue to live in it and it's not going to have an effect on us, right? It blinds us. So if you are someone who internalizes your guilt or guilt messages, you can find yourself constantly uh, feeling badly about things in the past or things that you need to move forward and do today. So you always feel guilty Like, how can I just move forward? How can I leave people behind? What will other people think? There's a lot of internal um, chatter that goes on. I mean, it's like an internal juggernaut, right? It is just really cogging things up inwardly. um, And so we don't feel free on how we spend our time or our resources. And we always can be running along and running well, and suddenly all someone has to say is, is like, yeah, but you never were there for me in the past. You need to be here for me now. And so it always grabs hold of that guilt Velcro, if you will, and can begin to 
control us rather than Holy Spirit leading and controlling us from within, right? And the way they do that, my friends, is so, so very freeing. So one of the first things, of course, we have to do is we have to recognize guilt messages that emotional manipulators may be using on us or that we are using on others. Because guilt messages are sent to control and manipulate. And the one, Jesus, who has paid for all of your sin, right, and literally cleansed you from guilt and shame of that true sin is not going to be the one trying to control you by bringing up all of that. Okay. Now I just, again, I want to, as a disclaimer, I just want to make sure you understand I'm talking about these things as best I can here. There is so much more that when we're discipled that we can ask about and process and, and go into, but at least we need to be aware of this. So we need uh, to recognize that um, when we are allowing guilt to control us, um, we need to recognize that's our problem, not the other person's, because that guilt is within us. That unbelief about the blood of Jesus, that's going on inside of us. Um, you know, because what we can oftentimes believe, a part of the faulty, fleshly thinking, is that if I keep paying for my own sin, I, I keep making all these installment payments, whether to my adult children or to a spouse or to a friend, that somehow that debt will eventually be paid off and they'll let me off the hook. And I just want to say to you, that seldom happens. And if you've got a cash cow, I mean, why would you take it to the slaughterhouse? Right? Come on. So the issue is within us. It's not about me controlling what everybody else does. Right? It's about me finally getting before God and, and letting him begin to reveal to me, why do I keep letting guilt um, lead me and control me? Because that's going on inside of you. Now, the emotional manipulators, right, they can smell that stuff. They can see that, that you're racked by these things. Now, they're going to also, they're going to begin to smell something different, which will be the fragrant knowledge of Jesus when you truly allow the blood of Jesus to go deep, deep within, uh, when you'll be more aware of how striking your sin was against people uh, and against God once God gets done with you, but then you'll know there's nothing but the blood that can take care of that, and you'll stop trying to pay for those sins um, uh, towards other people. Now, you will live differently with them, but you're not going to be, you know, like paying a bad loan shark, you know, you're, you know, you're not going to let them break your legs and, and keep crippling you, right? Because you know, excuse me, but all my debts literally have been paid and therefore out of honor to God, not out of irresponsibility, but out of honor to God and my deep belief in God. I know that what he has done is enough and it's going to completely shift the way that you relate to other people because you can forthrightly say, yes, I did do that. Uh, and yes, it was grievous and I can see the pain that it's caused you. And, and, um, I want to encourage you to get to the same one, um, that I've had to get to, which is to Jesus. Because what you're needing, truly needing, because of the harm I caused you, what you're truly needing is something only God can give you. 
I can pledge that I will, from this time forward, I will live differently, uh, not first because of you, but first because of him and who I am in him. And it will definitely shift the way that I interact with you. I will no longer abuse you. I will no longer lie to you. I will no longer cheat you. I will no longer try to manipulate you. I will no longer try to please you. I will no longer bow to you because that's not of God. I will bow to him and I will begin to live as he has called me to. And I pray that you'll be able to receive that. If not, I understand that we may not, you know, be able to be in relationship. And I understand that you may not be able to trust me. I understand that. I get that. And I'm willing to live in the consequence of that. But I won't try to keep you by feeding into the bitterness that is within you, even if I'm the one that helped bring some of that about. And my friends, listen, that what I just said to you, listen, that comes out of a long walk with God, right? Because he has to apply these things within us. But if there is guilt working on you, then that's something you've got to address as your problem and not theirs. Now, once you deal with the inside issues of your own guilt and why you have been in unbelief about the blood of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus, then, my friends, you'll be able to work on the relational, um, the external relational um, aspects, and you'll be able to do that more um, correctly with love and, and with limits. And this is um, a huge part of, you know, learning that becomes a lifestyle. Uh, this is where um, you will begin to um, take responsibility for yourself. And trust me, it will result in you recognizing other people get to make decisions about their life. And that if they continue to live as a victim of what you once did to them, um, that's their decision. They don't have to because God has a supply for every single person. Every single person can get exactly what they need. We don't have to act like we don't need it. We don't have to act like there shouldn't be justice for things. Yes, yes, there does need to be justice, but he is our first source of true justice. And this is a part of when we learn to really begin to live in the true self-control, right? In real destiny relationships, I'm not looking to control others. I walk in the fruit of the spirit of self-control, right? Proverbs 25, 28 says, a city whose walls are broken down, right, is like a man without self-control. So if you're a city, my friends, your walls can't be broken down. It can't just be a porous life where anything, anybody can do just anything to you. God tells us also in Proverbs to guard our heart. He doesn't say give it to someone else for them to guard. He says that's for us. So sometimes guilt keeps us, you know, in trauma bonds, keeps us in very uh, sinful um, ways of relating to people. So we have to ask ourselves why, because I was taught and I believe that all behavior is purposeful. If I allow myself to continue to be a victim of someone else berating me for things, you know, I actually did, um, then somehow 
that's doing something for me. Is that what I think is a part of my punishment? And, you know, I deserve that, right? And, and so somehow, you know, all behavior is purposeful. So if I think I'm the only one that understands my abuser, this is a true trauma bond that is cultivated by the abuser. I'm the only one that really understands them, and they need me desperately. And if they didn't have me, what would they do? And then, of course, they turn around and, you know, abuse. And, and, and so, so there's something that we have to look at. I'm not responsible for uh, their abusiveness, so therefore I'm not responsible to stop it. But I am responsible to get myself out, right? And, and so guilt has to be dealt with, and blaming has to be dealt with. There are many things I could touch base on here, but but one of the things, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what am, am I getting out of having this lack of, um, you know, proper um, boundaries? And I'm careful about using this term, but but what what am what is happening because I am not standing in the finished work of Jesus, which begins to put borders and boundaries around me, right? Is I'm not paying for my own sin. Oops, there's a border, <laughs> right? So I, I have truly repented, which means I have had a striking change of mind. I've had a metanoia of biblical proportions, right, where I no longer see things the same way. Therefore, I can no longer live the same way. And I'm no longer abusive or narcissistic or, or whatever. And I have turned towards the Lord and am now living unto him and have received forgiveness for that. And now I understand I cannot just live with other people the same way. I can't treat other people the same way. That doesn't mean I'm paying for my sins. It means I will no longer um, live in that way. But if I, if I keep letting, let's say, a narcissist keep controlling me, if I keep living in their, their orbit and I just, you know, love the attention they give me, even though I hate the abuse they put on me. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep in that. But let me just ask, so what are you getting in return? Why is your behavior purposeful? What's it doing for you to allow yourself to be guilted? Um, you know, that kind of thing. So can it be that what you're getting is you're getting money from a parent as long as you allow them to control everything you do? So you're willing to stay in that because you like the money, right? A lot of people that stay in their marriages because they like the money. Let's be clear. It's not for love. It's for security and for the money. Um, and so we have to ask ourselves, why do I, I allow myself to remain in things um, because of guilt um, you know, or other things? Uh, could it be that um, friends, you will continue to have friends that will always include you in their plans as long as you drive? You know, you've got the car. And so they always include you in their plans because they don't have a car and they need a car and they need a ride. So they always include you. And you may feel used, right? But you feel guilty if they say, look, you're the only one with a car. So you don't feel free to be able to say, right? Or you're the one who has the most money, so why don't you pay, right? You see, many people are cut off if they don't play their part in the dysfunctional system, whether that's friendships, marriages, church systems, 
Many people are cut off if they don't play their part in the dysfunction as the controlling person or party wants them to. Hmm? You see, it's risky to begin to live like God lives. It can be risky. Once you get really free to live unto Him, right, and you begin to properly gain control over your life because you're no longer living by guilt or, um, you know, being blamed for certain things, um, you know, let me tell you, it's, life is not going to remain the same. Let me just say it this way. Life is not going to remain the same if you begin to live in true destiny relationship. First with him, with yourself, right? And to others. Because then at the more freedom you live in, you're going to find the more freedom other people have to decide whether or not they want to still be in relationship with you or not. People do not owe you to be in relationship with you, right? It is a treasure. It is a privilege when people choose to walk with you and be in relationship with you, right? So this this is not, you know, a full treatise on these things, of course, but I, I wanted to share this part with you. I want us to, to think a little deeper about destiny relationships and how it is that God lives. And, and when God has paid for all of my sins, right, that's his amazing gift to me so that I can receive what I need for what people have done to me and what I've done to others so that those things don't go unaddressed. They are addressed. And then in that cleanness and in that freedom, I get up and begin to live according to how I was always meant to live. I'm not meant to live according to the depth of my sin, but to the depths of his forgiveness and freedom to me. Now, like for instance, if I, God provides forgiveness to me so that I can receive forgiveness for my sins, I'm not held over the barrel now with other people. Um, but also the same is true is that he's also given me uh, justice and the forgiveness to be able to forgive others for what they've done to me. So I don't get to keep holding them over the barrel. Hmm? I, I don't get to continue to do that, right? Making them pay. No, no, no. Jesus has paid, and I'm going to receive what Jesus has done for me and for others. Now, they still have to go to God to get forgiveness for them. God has just made provision to me so that I can get up and continue to live with him freely. Okay? So I can see that this episode ran a little longer than I expected today, right? But I just wanted to touch base on this. So we will see if we continue on with more conversations on destiny relationships because I am definitely wanting to formulate uh, schools and and all of life, where we, we must learn to live. It doesn't mean I know exactly how to live, and I'm going to teach everybody how to live. I'm going to be that town crier. I'm going to say, hear ye, hear ye, the word of the Lord, that this is possible, that we see this, and we see his finished work, and we understand that he has a way of life, the way of the cross, right? So that we learn to know that it's possible, and then we learn to live in it. Right? And you're going to learn that from him. But we have to at least have these conversations. And just, you know, we can't just keep acting like we're just going to try to be nice people. That's not the plan. 
And we're going to live like Jesus. Okay? So there you have it. I pray you're having a great day wherever you are. And uh, a day that though none of us knows what's coming, uh, I mean great in the sense that you're one with him and everything that you need, he's going to supply. Your interior life, my friends, can be full of life and love and be flourishing no matter what is going on around you. So let's live in oneness with him so that he can love us, we can love him back, and then we learn how to love others also, that he might be seen and known. Yeah. All right. Love you all. Until next time. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.